Today's episode is sponsored by The Optimist. You can go to theoptimistla.com. Incredible menswear, the best fashion from all around the world, curated. Uh, great guys over there, Joey and David. Uh, their home home headquarters is in the platform in Culver City. If you haven't been to the platform, it's incredible. It's booming. Restaurants, shops, galleries, events. They also have a pop-up, a pop-up store on Larchmont. They had one over the holidays in Beverly Hills, which did really well. Now they have another one in um, Larchmont. I get all my gear there. It's everything you can imagine and more from clothes to accessories. It's today's guy, an international sophisticated guy, but casual, comfortable. It's like if you went to all the coolest boutiques around the world and curated a few things from each, that's what it is. They do it for you. I appreciate you listening. And for all you all you tuning in today, special guest is Lee Syatt. Lee Syatt is a comedian and a podcast legend. Uh, he worked on uh, several, several podcasts through the year. The Church of What's Happening Now was the big one that he just wrapped up on. You can find Lee at Lee Syatt, uh, spelled S-Y-A-T-T on Instagram. You can also find his new podcast, what Was I Thinking with Lee Syatt? And he's got another new podcast launching suit called Waistline. And it's on his Pantheon, uh, uh, it's on Pantheon now where he's, he's, he's basically documenting his weight loss. And he's trying to lose 150 pounds. He's been dealing with weight issues his whole life. And uh, it's unreal. He's, he's exposing it to the world. And he's trying to let people into what he's doing and, and inspire others to get moving and eat, eat healthier, eat less, and get moving. So... Please subscribe to Danny Brown, The Deal with Danny Brown on YouTube and on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a comment that helps get us to a, to a wider audience. And uh, you can always DM me at Danny Brown LA on Instagram. And I appreciate you guys tuning in. We've been growing and enjoy this podcast with Lee Syatt. We talk about the evolution of the podcast industry and uh, what he's up to these days. So I appreciate you guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, Lee Syatt, welcome to The Deal. How are you, brother? I'm good, Mr. Danny Brown. It's good. It's uh, it's weird to be on this side of the table now with you, but I'm I'm happy to see you. I miss you. I'm, I'm glad to be here. I miss you, too. For those that don't know, Lee Syatt is my podcast uh, mentor, the first producer I had who put me into the game. He's got, been a career podcast producer comedian, etc. He recently moved back east to work on some new ventures, got the heck out of LA. So miss you too, but you're looking looking handsome. You're looking lean and svelte. We're gonna get into we're gonna all get that, into Go ahead. All that Mexican food for ten years was was a a bad influence on me and they don't have any out here. So I'm 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 losing a little bit of weight, but I got a while got a while to go before I look like you. Oh, man, please. I got the dad body going. Three kids, Zoom school. I'm eating terrible. But look, you've done well. You've lost a ton of weight, man, since I saw you. And I know you're just starting. We'll get into that. But uh, let's start this off with, uh, look, I wanted to bring you on, A, because you're a good dude, a good friend. But you're the podcast maestro. Uh, You've been in the you've been one of the few people that truly have been in the podcast biz from the beginning. Uh, You were a part of a huge podcast, one of the biggest podcasts. Uh, which is the Church of What's Happening Now with Joey, who's also an unbelievable talent, talented comedian, great, great dude. I know you work with him and are close with him. But why don't you start us off with uh, the podcast business, where it started, you know, five, six, seven years ago, and where we are now, just kind of the podcast industry as a whole. Well, it goes back even further than that. Like I, we, 
Joey and I started ours in 2012, I believe. Yeah, September of 2012. And we were like, the, it started in like, I think the early or the, to mid 2000s with tech people. It was, it was a lot of, it was like a lot of tech podcasts, but it, they didn't really take off. And then I remember I, um, I interned in LA the summer of 2010. I, I was my, my going into my senior year of college and I drove cross country cause you need a car in LA. And, um, I'm not sure if you've ever done that drive, but somewhere around the middle of the country, you either you have two radio options. It's either mariachi music or like preachers are on the radio. And Mariachis all day. Yeah, you <laughs> trust got- me. I, I learned to love mariachi music. That's it. So I, I remember I, I was staying in Arizona for I stopped for the night, and I got on Facebook, and someone posted about. Um, a two podcasts, Kevin Smith, like the director of Clerks, and yeah, Jamie wow, and all that. He has, I think, he still has one called Smodcast, and he actually was one of the first networks. And then um, a comedian named Doug Benson has one or had one called uh, Doug Loves Movies. Now, way back, uh, kids, I know with all with your phone now. It's streaming, but I didn't, I had a flip, I still had a flip phone, but I had an iPod. And back then you had to download the episode and connect it to your, to your iPod or iPhone with a USB cable and drag them over. Got it. A little different process. A little more. Right, I know. It, it, cumbersome. It's not, it's not, it sounds like I'm telling people to, to record a song on their Walkman or something. It's that's, that's how it feels. So I did that and I was hooked. I was hooked. Um, I, I, it was they were hysterical and 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 uh, and just entertaining and I listened to them for the the entire rest of the ride to California, and then when I I was I was interning and then ended up working on um, America's Funniest Home Videos. That was my first job in L.A. And one of my friends working there introduced me to the Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah, which was one of my probably, favorites. Yeah, it's one of the biggest. Now it's one of the biggest podcasts in the world. Um, back when I started listening to it, he was doing it on a couch in his office, and they were uh, they were sponsored by Fleshlight. So that's how far that's how far they've grown. But the evolution uh, of Joe Rogan. It's pretty crazy. I mean, he's <laughs> he's bigger now. Or I mean, I don't know. I wasn't alive during Johnny Carson, but my dad is a huge Johnny Carson Tonight Show fan. And we actually there's a very interesting documentary on Showtime about the history of the Comedy Store. And I, I've only seen the first episode, but it talked about how comedians would go on the Tonight Show, and after one appearance would be touring around the country right now it's not that simple but that's essentially what the joe rogan experience is now for a lot of comedians if you do well if you don't do well then people are going to hate you yeah the audience is so this basically the audience is so big and there's so many influencers in the audience that it can change the trajectory of your career overnight so to speak obviously you have to be good and bring the goods Right. right, just like on Johnny Carson, you got to bring it if you're going to get attention. But if you did, boom, your life is set, and that's true. A lot of comedians that we know now, household names, Johnny Carson was it. Like you get on Johnny Carson, you do your dialogue. If you killed it, 
boom, you're going on tour, you're getting signed, you know, you're going to get a movie deal, who knows what, a little sitcom deal. I mean, it oh, was yeah. on. There's so, a, there's an a, uh, interesting story. That's how Roseanne got big. She she did one night in the small room at the comedy store, the original room. The next night they put her in the main room. And then a night after that she was on Johnny and then doing stadiums. Boom. Quite a show. So give me the uh, – how did you connect with Joey? Let's so talk I, about that because that's obviously a huge – a long time of your career, and which you just wrapped up with recently. So talk to me about yeah. how you got – how you progressed and ended up connecting with him and how that podcast grew was was it always the church of what's happening now didn't he or was it something else and it evolved well, he, had, he had a podcast with a comedian named felicia michaels who actually won star search in the 90s he was a very wow. very popular comedian um and but before that um it's just so you like i like there's a lot of people who spend a lot of time writing cover letters and well sometimes it's just dumb luck um the people at America's Funny Stone Videos were very nice to me. And I, for, for those of you who don't know, shows run on schedules and then they go on hiatus for the summer. And most of the time, that's two or three months where you're either um, going to another show in between or maybe you just take the time off. Um, but as a new, just out of college, I didn't have any money saved. So they were nice and they let me stay on, but there, there wasn't much work to do. So I, I was I had listened to the Joe Rogan experience and heard Joey, and I've well, I've always been a stand up comedy fan. Uh, I, I hate I hate using this example, but it's just true. Um, we had a VHS tape of a Bill Cosby special, oh, and classic. my dad and I used to quote it to each other. There's a bit on there where he goes he talks about going to the dentist, and he gets Novocaine. He goes, "My lip was my lip up is on the floor." Yes, phone. of course. So it's classic. Yeah, so I've always loved stand up. Back then, um, I had no interest in being in front of the camera. I went to school to be an editor. Um, but I, I, I love stand-up. I'd been to shows in L.A. Um, and I wrote to Joey on his Facebook wall. I, I said, I want to work with comedians, but I don't want to come off as creepy. Do you have any advice? And I, I remember I was there, and he wrote me a message on Facebook and said, what are your ideas? And... I essentially wrote like comedians can release their own specials now. They can do YouTube videos, the podcast, and we met. He just he took a chance on me, and we met outside the old Haha ha, uh, Comedy Club in in North Hollywood. It's still there, but in a different location now. And we started off slow. We started. We met out there, and would talk and I'd see him. He wasn't, he, he was taking a break from the store at that point. So he was, he wasn't performing there. Um, and I remember one of the funny, one of the happiest memories for me is uh, he, the first time I went to his house, we, uh, he took me into his, his office and he didn't, he's not a very tech savvy person. He is, he's better now, but it was at the beginning of Twitter. I don't think he had a, a, a smartphone yet. And he, he had me show him how to upload a picture to Twitter. And he called me an unadulterated genius for being able to do for me. You're a genius, Lee. I can see it now. For being able to show him how to upload a picture to Twitter. So from from there, it was pretty crazy. We did uh, the what we started off with. And it's just it's crazy how technology just changes. He did a show for Gabriel Iglesias called Stand Up Revolution, which is uh, – just like it's one of those shows where everyone does five to ten minutes and 
Gabriel was the host and he, Gabriel gave everyone who was on um, a little digital video camera called the Sony Bloggy. Uh, you probably, they probably sell for $6 on eBay now. And Joey would go around and film himself. And he, every week I would meet him and he'd give it to me and he'd give me a hundred bucks and I'd edit to edit it together. And we did a, a little mini web series called man flavors world. Um, what was it called? Mad flavors world. Mad flavors world. So that, yeah. that was a, a comedy series, digital series, <laughs> you know, on YouTube and uh, it was goofy. And then from there we did, um, a CD. How you you were just showing me your Zoom. We didn't even have a Zoom yet. We rented a Zoom for fifty dollars, <laughs> and we went down to I think it was the Ontario Improv. It was either that or the Brea, but I think it was Ontario. And most com if you watch a special now, most comics are filming between two and four, or even more shows. We recorded one show. I did a very minimal editing. I just we cut out a few bits and cleaned it up a little bit, and we put it out on iTunes, and it went number one for like a few months. And then when it hit the oh Billboard God. charts, and uh, and it was it was a big success. And then we we took that and we this was before GoFundMe or any of that. We uh, he put a video up on YouTube, and did some talking on Facebook. And we raised from his fans, we raised like three grand and we went and shot a documentary uh, in New Jersey, in New York, where he's from and to tell his like life story. It was just me and him for like literally a, like a day uh, we shot. It was most, you usually have like a week to shoot things. It was with a team. It was me and him for one day. One day knocked was, it out. Yeah. And that was called where, where I got my balls from. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, sorry to all your listeners. It's not very safe for work working with Joey. It's fun, but it's not safe for work. And um, then uh, we got the the idea for the church of what's happening now came. We were talking, and uh, Joey was a big believer that that the news was giving you bad news and all of that. Yeah. And and back then, Joe Rogan would stream his live. Now he doesn't stream it live. He puts it out later. Yeah. Um, but we had the idea of doing a six in the morning podcast and I was work. I was still working in TV and uh, I was working when you, when you're an assistant editor, uh, you work nights. So I, I, I was working on hell's kitchen, the Gordon Ramsay show from 7 PM to 5 AM. And then I would drive to Joey's house and from six to eight, we would stream live and smoke weed and, and get crazy and um we did that for like a couple of years from like six to eight i'd put the podcast up and i'd go to sleep and in 2012 um no i'm sorry that was in we started in september 2012 and by april of 2013 when i ended my run uh on hell's kitchen um i i decided to take a jump and 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 work with Joey full time. So from almost for almost or over seven years, I was full, just full time doing the podcast. Yeah. So for those that are listening, why don't you give us some context on uh, Joey, his career uh, before the podcast, and and then the scale of the podcast? How many episodes? How many downloads? How many subscribers? Because it's a massive, a massive podcast. So I'd, I'd love to hear yeah, a I mean, about it, that. It shows. I mean, it's. Uh, 
And I, I take I, 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 my work on the podcast, I'm very proud of. But Joey is uh, I used to say this and then this is no um, slight against you because I was saying this before I met you, Danny. But I worked in L.A. and my most professional, uh, successful client is a 50 year old Cuban guy who went to jail for uh, kidnapping someone with a machine gun. Uh, <laughs> so, um, uh, Joey is a, a very extremely hard work. He used to, even after we, we stopped doing the morning podcast, he would call me at six in the morning for years, just like, get up, get to work. Um, so Joey was always a very hard worker. Um, but he, like when we first met, he had about 50,000 people on Twitter. And now I think he has close to a million, somewhere wow. around there, 800,000, 900,000. Um, and he was one of the early first guests on the Joe Rogan experience, but he really, uh, he really capitalized on it. And he had his podcast with Felicia, which started it all. Um, it really he got him into telling stories because he never really, he, I mean, if you listen to any of his stories, um, he, he thinks they're normal. He thinks a lot of the stuff that he did was just very normal. And to a, a kid like me who had barely smoked weed before I met him, <laughs> it, it was just uh, Hardly unbelievable. Normal. The craziest, the most amazing stories you've ever heard. Unbelievable and, stories. Oh, it was just uh, – and he has such a, a great way of, of telling them. And he's so – even though the stories aren't relatable, he is he's, – he's so anti – um, Hollywood and he doesn't he doesn't seem fake and people of all like he, my dad my dad's an older version of me and my, my I used to say my dad said he was coming out to visit me but he was coming out to hang out with Joey um, so when like when Joey Joey's a cool dude man oh he, he is when Joey did his podcast with Felicia he said he started selling like about a hundred tickets like he would do okay at the comedy shows and obviously before the pandemic obviously not no one's doing any comedy but he had just done his first uh first tour in theaters uh which is a lot of tickets and he he would he was doing the best comedy clubs in the in the country and uh he i mean pretty much blew up from the internet he he he's one of the most um he's one of the best people on twitter and and instagram and he uh he 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 really uh, was one of the first to learn how to use the internet to his favor. Yeah. Well, he certainly has all the attributes and you nailed it on the head. I mean, not only does he have this distinct baritone, deep voice, and he's this big, intimidating presence. He's so authentic and he's so who he is. And he tells these such a great storyteller. You get so engaged and he's talking about some gritty, dark shit with a, but he says it in humor and with warmth and love, and it's like it's such a unique take. Uh, they should really just make an HBO type or a Netflix show about his life, and I mean that would be so cool, like the Narcos <laughs> version of Joey. <laughs> oh my God, yeah, that would be, yeah, that would be great. I mean, it's, the stories he's telling of it, it, growing up is unbelievable, and uh, it's such an entertaining podcast. I think there's a little bit too much, too many gummies, maybe too many edibles. Oh, what happened to you on that couple famous? Of years that I don't really remember that. Well. What was the no. famous episode that, that everyone talks about with you when you were out of your mind on gummies? Oh, that was yeah, that was uh, 
we used to take so for for those of you who aren't edible uh oh, edible will knock you out right so for example like like um danny i'm sure you've never even tried it you didn't you've never inhaled um so <laughs> yeah <laughs> but most people, if they take an edible, take between 10 and 30 milligrams. Some people can go higher than that, but that's like an average start. Um, Would that be one full gummy or is that a piece of a gummy? No, that's a lick of a gummy. Um, yeah. The, the, yeah. And it didn't, and it, I could never do this now. It took many, he called it training. Um, but the gummies, the stars of death, as he called them, which are stars of really, death. Yeah. They're pretty much gone now. Um, because when they became recreational, the, uh, too dangerous the, the <laughs> people who were making it kind of disappeared. Um, but either were, there were two sizes of gummies, 125 milligrams and 200 milligrams. Oh, and the, mo the most I ever took was 3000 milligrams. 3000. So yeah, it wasn't that so it, night. It wasn't. It wasn't the least I had down space night, but it was another. Uh, it was another night, and we uh, we were doing a, we're doing on least side out of space. That was the episode that I no, saw. that wasn't three thousand. Honestly, oh. I feel like your body kind of knows that it's not supposed to be that high, and so it, I was I was higher on the least side out of space. That one, he used to, he loves to mess with me in a, in a loving way, but he. He, he like there's something about so like Led Zeppelin music, like <laughs> it, especially in the dark when you're really out there. Yeah. It's kind of you scary. can lose yourself. So we were like they have like playing like like they have sounds of like bomber planes coming in and like yeah, gunshots yeah. and and then there's another there's a Pat Benatar song called Hell Is for Children and it's it's ah. like a terrifying song. So we were we had a couple music people on and they were playing that music and I. I used to have my job was the sound and the video and talking when I could when I was uh, appropriate, but I with a keyboard would switch and I thought I had switched off of me and uh, obviously did not and uh, some some very lovely uh, watcher decided to put a clip up and now it's been seen millions of times which is um, incredible that's some funny uh, yeah stuff. my mom is is not a fan. <laughs> so let's move on. Let's move on, Lee. You you had a great run with Joey, uh, historical run, some funny content. People can go on uh, YouTube and see any of that. So let's talk about now. You've launched your own podcast. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? And I know it's very new. And give me a little little rundown sure. of what you've been doing. Sure. And I'm actually about to launch another one. I guess I'll I'll announce it on here. Um, the one I'm doing right now is called What Was I Thinking? Um, yeah. And um, I am really brand new. I, it's as, as Danny can attest to, it's, it's, a, it's not just as simple as talking into a microphone and record. It's, it's a lot of work and it's, it's hard to be consistent and to build an audience. And over my years, I, uh, I failed a couple of times at doing podcasts. Um, so now that I'm on my own, I, I started again and I've actually uh, done about four or five months of consistently every week. And, and Danny, uh, I think when this comes out, we'll probably be the guest that that week or the week after. Um, yes. So I'm very excited to have Danny on as a guest. 
But um, yes, live. I was uh, in La Quinta in the desert. Yeah, I oh, had yeah. to rush home with a COVID scare. Thank God we're all negative. But I, I know. got one Thank day God. into La Quinta right after our podcast. I had to pack up the car and go home. That was my getaway with the wife with no kids. It was <laughs> having a twenty-four hour, twenty-four hour getaway in La Quinta. But at least I got on your podcast. <laughs> oh yeah! Thank God. Yeah, <laughs> we should have recorded it in the car on the way yeah, home. As exactly. You as you thought your kids might have had COVID. Um, so yeah, I, I, I started off just talking by myself and I got okay at it. It's it's really tough. Like that was when I started with Joey, I told him I didn't want to be on it. And I wanted him to do like a Bill Burr style, just him talking. And he he had me on because from what I'm I've learned now and confirmed is it's very hard to talk by yourself. So you're we're bringing guests. I'm starting to bring guests on. I had uh, a doctor on to talk, uh, ask all the questions. A, a heavy guy is afraid to ask his real doctor. I just had someone on uh, uh, to explain Bitcoin to me. So I'm, I'm basically just trying to learn all the stuff I don't know. Um, yeah. But the one I'm, I'm really excited about, which it hasn't even been released yet, but will be released soon, is called uh, the Wasteline Podcast. And I, uh, I stole the name from. Uh, from Dr. Drew. Um, oh, is this your he your health and diet podcast? Yeah, it's it's going to be obviously uh, for your uh, for your audio listeners. I'm a six foot tall guy with the ripped abs um, <laughs> and a beautiful head of hair. Truth, uh, I've always been heavy, uh, various degrees, and uh, especially with the pandemic, I really just. Uh, uh, I like it's not even a joke when they said that, that we were going to get locked down. I got kind of nervous. Like they said, like, when I don't know if you guys remember a year ago, but I was hearing rumors like you weren't going to be allowed to leave the house. Um, so I went and I went to Walmart and got a whole bunch of, of not healthy food. And I got like a 40 pack of rice Krispie treats. I think they were gone in like four days. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I get, I, it, it's uh you know what's bad when when your fat jeans turn into they don't fit anymore jeans. So that happened, and I'm, I just got sick of it, um, which is what happens. You you get sick of getting big, and I uh, I started a Patreon with the help of my brother, uh, who is was actually Gary V's personal uh, trainer for many years. Yeah, and he yeah, that's he has a, great a much story too. Oh, he has a much bigger following than I have, and he helped me, and I'm. I'm down 40 pounds so far, which is great. But what I've what I've really learned with the Patreon is like I, I even asked my brother who has a he trains a lot of people. And a lot of the people that he works with, there are some people who are really heavy, but the majority of people who are my size, like hundred plus pounds overweight, aren't really a big part of his business. And um what 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 I've what we've learned is or what I've learned just because I've been this way my whole life is that when you're, when you're this big, it's, it's kind of intimidating and scary and, and you don't really know where to start. So what I want to do uh, with the waistline podcast is, is come at it with not the, the, the health influencer point of view of, Oh, just eat a salad. And I'm more like, I, I don't know any of that, but I do know that there's a, we're in the, the biggest country in the world and I'm like the heaviest, um, and there's a lot of people who I think I can relate to in a way that that a lot of ripped people 
have a little bit of a struggle with. They 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 don't understand Absolutely. why you don't just work out and why you don't just stop eating cheeseburgers and all that. So uh, well, that's I, called I the Waistline Podcast. Waistline. I think that's brilliant, and I think it's so so important because health and diet it's really a disease and sugar as you know and i know it's a, it's a drug it's a killer uh it may be the the drug that kills more people than anybody and here we are the richest country in the world and we are the heaviest the most obese etc and so much of it is tied to mental health and other issues oh, yeah. and the fact that you are going to expose yourself and be vulnerable I think people will be much more receptive and, and empathetic because you've struggled with it your whole life and you're being honest with it. And it's just it's mind blowing to think your brother is polar opposite, that he's a trainer oh, to yeah. the stars and trainer to the Gary V. What's your brother's name again? His name is Jordan Syatt. Uh, yeah. So Jordan Syatt and he's six yeah. pack and ripped and he's your celebrity type trainer that you'd expect and eat good and keto and diet and da 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 da. And all that's fantastic. But you're coming from a completely different angle. You're someone who struggled with really the disease of, of food addiction and sugar addiction, which almost all of us battle with it at some point in their lives and a lot of our lives. I know I struggle with sugar and doing too much, but I, I think that's phenomenal. So talk to us about uh, are you going to like document the process? You've already lost 40 pounds, so that's incredible. Right. Mazel tough for you. And I know you, you want to lose. I, what, how much are you, more do you want to lose? Another? Well, as Joey says, I, I talked to him the other day. I said, I'm down 40 pounds. He's like, and 100 to go. So, yeah, 100 to go. <laughs> I, hey. I got a long way to go. Um, but I, I am documenting it on my Patreon um, for right now. But I, I obviously – I will talk about it on, on the podcast. And, yeah, I, I just – there's a lot of uh, because the, the sad truth is is I, you're right it's it is a, a, an addiction and it's it's crazy but the sad truth is and I even told this to my brother and not in not a negative way but in a, a perfect world or in a regular world there really isn't a need for nutritionists and trainers there's it's not a it's not like there's a secret about losing weight you you, you eat less and you move a little bit. That's really it is, is, is you watch your calories and you try to work out and on, but the truth is, unfortunately, it's Calorie not deficit. that simple. Um, so that's why he has a very successful career. Um, so with the podcast, I just, I, what I'm trying to build is, and I hate this term. I, I need to come up with a different term for it, but a safe space because like <clears throat> the only time I ever, really lost a big amount of well, well the, the last time I lost a big amount of weight I joined a kettlebell gym um and I, I I'm someone who hates working out I, I I've never enjoyed it and there was something we I went three days a week and there was a, a, a pretty standard class with five or six people and we became really close and I I I didn't want to let them down by not showing up and we worked out and I I, I got down so I think it was like 70 pounds from where I am now. Um, so what, and, and now with my Patreon, what I'm, what I'm really, what I'm getting a lot of is there's a lot of, there's some skinny people on there, but there's also a lot of people who, um, you know, they don't, they, they feel alone. They, they don't want to, they feel like they're going to get made fun of at the gym, which yeah, usually doesn't happen. Usually at the gym, everyone's super nice, but it's, it's, yeah, it's, but it's, it's an intimidating place to go if you've never been before. 
So of course, and we're all we all have that self you know doubt and the voice in our head, and you can just imagine how intimidated and how uh, you know and, how and you self conscious someone would be going to the gym if they're not in shape and they're obese and it's like they, you know do they should do they belong there are they embarrassing them? yeah it's like how do you break through that noise and how do you oh, make that palatable and hopefully you will you will open some doors for people to say, okay, I can step through these doors. I'm more comfortable. Hey, before we go further, Patreon, explain me how that works. It's, it's very cool. It's, um, it's, it's, it's a, it's an interesting website where creators of all types, you can do podcasts, videos, uh, artwork. It's just a way for, for independent creators to, to, uh, be get supported by their 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 fans i guess um so there's a it's a monthly subscription it is a subscription yeah you can do it based off of posts if you want to but most people um will do a like i have a three dollar and a five dollar tier every month um i'm not trying to get rich off of it but i'm i am I'm, i'm posting um what I what I weigh like like yesterday I did a weigh in and just getting briefly back to what we were talking about with with the mental thing I I thought I gained weight last week and and luckily I I ended up not gaining weight but I get I had this urge like I I fell back into old habits like oh I should just quit because I gained weight um but the people on the what what the best thing that I've done on the Patreon by far is I do a live Zoom workout four to five days a week minimum of four oh um, nice and it, we get like 10 to 15 people on there and we just, we, we, we take walks together. We do kettlebells and it just, it takes your mind off of the stinky working out. It yeah. just, uh, so and you're leading those, you're leading those workouts. I mean, on the walks, we just sort of talk and, and shoot the breeze. And then the kettlebells, um, I still have a, a, a slight memory of, of going, of doing that yeah. class. So I, we're, I just do swings and, and presses. Yeah. It's not true. I'm. I if I turned into a health influencer, quote unquote, it's not going to be. I'm not going to be telling people to do crunches. I, my yeah. whole goal with working out is to do as little as possible. Like that's still, but but move a little bit. Anything's better than not. Like I, I used to go days where I wouldn't even hit a thousand steps. Yeah, yeah. I would. I, I just wouldn't do that. So now I, I would nice. walk for an hour. I get between two and a half and three miles in and amazing. And it's just, uh, hopefully that's life. That's life changing for people. And you know, that's yeah. life changing. I love that approach again, because it's not about the most complex and cutting edge, uh, working out, you know, high pro, you know, high scientific workout. It's more like, let's, let's keep this simple and do something that you can, you can do consistently and get you moving. Let's get well, our bodies moving and let's try to have thing. some sort of caloric, a deficit so that right. we can eat a little less and move a little more and you're keeping it simple. And, oh. you know, if you do that over a sustained period of time, that's going to change people's lives and their health. Uh, I, hope, I hope it changes. I mean, uh, what is the word? Uh, a little bit of, uh, I'm blanking on the word, but I, I, selfishly, I hope it changes mine. And if it changes other people's, that would be with cream on top of it. it's, it's it's essentially the same thing as building a podcast like that's that's the tough part about working out when you're heavy is 
you go to these classes and it feels great, but either you get injured or you're just so sore you can't even move and then you don't go the next day. It's yeah, the same thing as building a podcast. You have to do it every day, every week to see any results. Otherwise, it, it's it, you're not going to see anything. Yeah. Speaking of, let's shift gears into the podcast world since you are the expert in podcasts. I, like, I think what you told me maestro earlier. I like that one. The maestro. the maestro, the expert, the phenom. Well, let's talk about it now because everybody, you know, I've been doing podcasts now two years, as you know. I've been trying to do it as consistently as I can because I have a business and a family and all the other stuff. But I love it. I'm enjoying it. But let's talk about some advice you'd give to people that want to either either have podcasts like me or people that want to start podcasts. Stuff that, that you know now or stuff that you wish you would have known seven, eight years ago that you know now. What would be some basic things? And I know I've heard it from you and I know there's no shortcuts. Well, there may be some shortcuts, but for the most average, the average person, if you're not going to have uh, huge celebrity high profile guests on, there's no shortcuts. Right. And it's one of the big things, and it's it's very understandable. But the, with, with the with the um, with the popularity of all the big podcasts like Joe Rogan and and Brendan Schaub and all and a lot of big podcasts, a lot of people will come in and essentially they want to recreate those podcasts. They want to have a similar style. They want to have the same kind of guest. And what I what I tell a lot of people is like the reason why. I think podcasts have become so popular. There's a few reasons, but one of the main reasons is that the, the listeners or the viewers really form a, a, a very close bond with the host. So what I tell people is to, to obviously if you're inspired by somebody, that's fantastic. But for me, and as, as a listener of podcasts, I'm a big believer in taking something that you're genuinely interested in and and making it about you because if they if they if they want to listen to a Joe Rogan podcast, they have it. They don't need to listen to you. So to really make it as personal to you and to be as open as possible and 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 and, and just really make it your own thing. Yeah, and in terms of building an audience. It sounds like you've said, and you keep telling me for, I've heard this over and over, consistency and repetition. Yeah, there's a few. It's consistency because it's, it's um, for, I mean, with the, with the just, if you think about TV shows, every, like I, this show is, I, I'm going to date myself, but one of the biggest shows on Netflix that just left was The Office. I remember when I was in high school and college, it was every Thursday night. It was on NBC. It was there. No matter unless like the the World Series or something came on, and then you were you were pissed. You're like, my my show's not on, and people feel the same way about their podcast. So to 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 come up to have a, a release schedule where every like for me, I release mine Sunday night. So when you wait, whenever when when wherever you are in the world, whenever if you wake up Monday morning, you have a new podcast from me, um, and then just uh, for to to help build an audience. There's really no like unless you have a really a big name guest. There's no like Facebook ads aren't going to help. No one if, if they don't know you already, it's not really going to to push the needle in any big way. The the biggest way is to just have podcasters onto your show or to for you to be a guest on other shows because 
and it, it's, it's really strange. My dad was showing me a video last night. I, I've never seen a second of America's Got Talent, um, but it's one of the biggest shows in the yep. world. I, 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 there was a, uh, a young girl who was 12 and she was a ventriloquist and, and now she's doing theaters around the country and the world. Wow. probably. But I had never legitimately, I would not have uh, been able to, to tell her apart from a, a cashier at Chick-fil-A. So for me, I've been in podcasting nine plus years and I, I, it's all I think about and do. And I think everyone's heard about it, but there's a lot of people who are still like, have no idea, have never listened. So if you, if you can focus on trying to, to, to uh, convert people who are already podcast listeners on other shows to liking your show, it's a, it's a lot easier than, than promoting and putting a billboard up or yeah. anything like that. Yeah, I hear you. There's no silver bullets, as we know. All right, so let's put the podcast and the uh, the weight and all that stuff to rest. Let's get to some sports. I know you're a big sports okay. fan, Boston, Boston sports fan. Yeah. Uh, talk about it. I know you and me have, share someone in common. You yes. love my boy Millar. Uh, four days was... in October and World Sox and Cowboy uh, World Series and Cowboy Up and got him. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the most exciting. Like, like on the on Joey's podcast, we had Mike Tyson on. We we had some pretty amazing people, but um, Kevin Millar getting to virtually meet him on Zoom with your podcast is something that I'll never forget. It was just uh, it's pretty amazing how living in LA, you get a, 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 at least when I moved to LA, I used to, I, I would get starstruck if I saw someone who was on the news. It was just, I, I was very impressed by all of that. And uh, after being in LA for a few years, you see Larry King at a, at a Starbucks Brooklyn, and it kind of, bagels. Yeah, it kinda, it kinda goes away a little bit, but that was the Kevin Millar era of the Red Sox. And I, I think he was on the team that won it for the first time since yeah. 1918. Yeah, yeah he, he was. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I remember, I remember being in, in high school and I remember going to the parade with my mom and my brother. Oh, and I, I, uh, I, it was, uh, just, uh, amazing. Like that, it, it really is one of the best things about, about podcasting is getting to, to talk with people who meant that much to you. And, and Kevin was, it's he, he has the, the life that everyone wants. He's, He's semi-retired. I think he has his own podcast. Yeah, he's just on a ranch in Texas. He does intentional talk, and he has yeah. a studio, a sound studio, uh, over his garage, like in a guest house in Austin, Texas. That's amazing. And then the rest of the time, he's barbecuing and and I just imagine, and what was that Looney Tunes guy who shoots the guns like pow pow pow? That's <laughs> what I imagine Kevin Millar's life is like. Well, I mean, look, he's got a family and lots of kids, four kids, and he's busy oh, wow. with that. Yeah, yeah, but he's uh, he stayed busy after his career. He's got a great personality and uh, look and oh, yeah. fun and obviously insight and knowledge of the game. So he's he's carved out a great niche. He was fun to have on my podcast last year. You know, I've known him since third grade. So, you know, it's very it's a very different uh, experience for me. But right. again, that was one of the greatest sports experiences and overall experience of my life that 03 and 04 run uh with big poppy and you know manny and pedro uh -huh. martinez and Schilling and the bloody sock and 
you know, you've got to remember, 03, that was my first year being a Red Sox fan. That's when Kevin went there. And they lost in Game Seven. I know. Booney hit the walk I remember. I was in yeah. my mom's bedroom. I mean, I never felt so sick. And I, I, you know, I was only a Red Sox fan for one year. You know, I grew up a Dodger fan. And Booney, Booney's my buddy. Played together at USC. So it's like, oh, oh wow. Booney, like what a yeah, crushing. Did, yeah. yeah, yeah. Aaron Boone hits the ball. Well, I can forgive Aaron Boone. I don't hate Aaron Boone as much as I used to. But that well, was a. That was a heartbreaker, man. Heartbreaker with Wakefield, who has done so well. And it's just, oh, one got away and one swing ended. And then to come back and redeem themselves that way and doing the shots in the locker room before the Yankees gave. It's such great stories that Kevin's been in the the middle of. And the four days of October, which I've talked about in the podcast, what an incredible experience. So I'm glad you appreciate that, Lee. Oh, my God. It was it was. uh... It's something I would have paid for. So, so yeah. to be able to do it to do it with you, it was amazing. And I mean, you know, you're you're an athlete. You know what um, emotions it can bring up. And and I, I got very lucky to be able to grow up in one of, if not the, in my opinion, the best sports city in the world. And and uh, I know that New York and Chicago and maybe LA, Frank. I will say, Dan, I'm sure Danny, you are, are a great fan, but that was one of my bones that I'd pick with LA fans. <laughs> they wouldn't show up to Dodger Stadium until no. the third inning, and they'd leave by the sixth. And and uh, but overall, it, it's just it, it's it's amazing that no matter how, how old I get, I I I there's like to me, there's no better place in the world than Fenway Park. No, I there is it. And I remember those games, those rivalries with the Yankees. It was people uh, brawling in the stands and. Girls are slamming drinks and they're fighting. And I'm like, what is this? This is not a baseball experience I knew of at Dodger Stadium growing up. This is nothing like it. I mean, oh, it's people wild. are going it's bonkers. And they're there six hours before the game on Yaki Way getting hammered. And like, oh, yeah. Go, what is this? This is one, a whole different experience videos, in the world. One of my favorite videos of all time is I wasn't, I wasn't there, but there's a Red Sox-Yankee game. And Jerry Remy is the the color guy. He's yeah, actually yeah. on the Angels at some point. I don't know if you were a fan of him then. Yeah, but yeah. he's a, he's the, he's been the color guy for pretty much my whole life that I can remember uh, for the Red Sox. And there was a, a a Red Sox fan at Fenway who took a like a giant pizza slice and oh, threw it at a Yankee fan, and the TV cameras caught it and it just hit him in the face. Oh no! And, and Jerry Remy and them were just laughing, and that that's one of the best. Uh, the best memories I have. Yeah, I, New Yorkers, I love you. I love New York. I, I, I'm. It's sad what's going on there right now, and I would love to live in New York eventually. But I, I, I the Yankee thing, I can never, I can never forgive. So yeah, and that, and, look, the face is amazing. Those games. That if you've never been to a Red Sox Yankees game, whether in Yankee Stadium or Fenway, and you know, late summer dog days. 95 degrees humidity, Aye. going for a pennant, the intensity of those games and the fans going nuts. I mean, it's like their life is on the line. I've never experienced anything like it. I, I may have told you, but Millar, it was one of those late in the season series, for, and they were battling for first place in the Yankee Stadium. Millar comes down uh, before the game. We were in the dugout uh, in the clubhouse with him, me and my buddy Dave Ravitz, who went. He's like, you guys, I got you great seats, but got bad news. You have to wear these shirts. And by the way, I'm cutting off the sleeves. He cuts ah. off these T-shirts, these Red Sox shirts. 
Malar shirts, makes a muscle shirts. He says, you have to wear it the whole game. Sends a student to the stadium, and people were throwing shit at us and screaming at us. We're lucky we survived that. I mean, these guys oh, were know. going to kill us. It was unbelievable. And I was like, I, I can't even believe it. And after the game, Malar was cracking. He was like, can you believe how insane that these people are? And it's the same thing at Fenway or Yankee Stadium. There's nothing like it in sports. No, that's one of my regrets is that I never got to the original Yankee Stadium. I would have loved to see a game there. It's it's one of my favorite things about Boston sports. It doesn't matter who's playing. I've been to Patriots games and they start chanting Yankee suck. It's one of my favorites. It's one of the top rivalries in sports. Yeah, and I, I can remember Kevin uh, going deep against Randy Johnson in Yankee Stadium and I was there. You know, I was like, this is oh, wow. I'll never forget that for the rest of my life. You know, it's like unbelievable. Speaking of Boston, how about your boy Brady leading the Bucks to Super Bowl? The GOAT. I, I'm I'm there's gonna be a lot of people who aren't here who don't agree with me. And 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 before I say this, it is it's a hundred percent sour grapes. And I, I'm I was just so disappointed in the way he, that he left because it, it just hurt it's and, and R.I.P., it was just the anniversary of it, I think. But I was in L.A. when Kobe passed away. And it, it was like, it, it was, I think people were more emotional than if, like, the president had passed away. Absolutely. I've it never was, seen anything like it. Though The whole city, it was. It were was depressed, was, sad. I've never experienced that in L.A. It was one of the, one of the, frankly, I'm not an L.A. fan, I'm a Celtics fan, but it was it, it made me respect la honestly they they, they took it very seriously and it was devastating once he retires i'm sure i'm sure i'll, I'll soften a little bit but to me I, I feel like brady he's obviously one of the best if not the best ever hard worker he deserves everything he has but it ta- to me it tarnished his legacy just a little bit because i just like like for example uh uh, Dustin Pedroia just retired as a as a Red Sox. Julian Edelman says he wants to play just for the Patriots, and I get it. It's a business, and 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 the and on the other on the flip side, the teams have no loyalty to the players. So I I, I don't know why. In in logically, I shouldn't be mad at Brady. I get it, but just with my heart, we we had been through so much, and he meant yeah. so much to the region that the yeah. fact that he just left and went down to Tampa. I, I got it. I was and what a chip, just like that. <laughs> oh, him the and guy is the goat. Gronk hey, you Gronk I view as like a golden retriever who's just having fun and yeah. Great Buddy story. Brady asked him to come down and I'm, of course I'm, two tutties in the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's they awesome. Just, you know what though? Who knows? You weren't in those discussions. I weren't in those discussions. Who know? Who knows what the front office said or didn't oh, say? Yeah. They, sure you know, obviously they didn't want to pay him, and he he's a busy. He wanted to move on. Well, yeah. Paid. Well, I mean, Kraft did say that he would have paid him, but I mean, Frank, trust me, I've I, I, I've had my share of of tough bosses. I'm sure Belichick is not the nicest guy to work for. So we we don't know the whole story at all. We don't. And isn't there also part of his legacy now that he can say, "Look, you can't say that." Bill Belichick put me in the Super Bowl, you know, ten times, and it was his system and his his free agent pieces that he put around me that won. Now you could say, look, you know, you can't say Belichick; he just did it at Tampa Bay first year, oh, learning a new it, system. But, 
to me, I don't, I, I mean, I never once heard any New England fans say that it was all Belichick. I think Brady, to me, and to my, at least for me, got a ton of the, I mean, Brady, uh, the only two years, and I don't think they even won a Super Bowl with him, it was, uh, but the only two years Brady had any help, really, other than Gronk, was when we had Randy Moss briefly. And I think they broke yeah. every record, every offensive record that ever existed. Yeah. Um, but for the majority of his time in New England, Brady didn't have much help. So I, I to, at least for me, I, I thought he – I mean, I thought Belichick shared some of the credit. But to me, I, I Brady was was essentially like a god in New England. I thought he could do no wrong. We always believed that he would come could come back. We were always in the game. Anytime we lost, we'll just come back and get. Like I, I, I will say, I got very spoiled. I got from three to four. I had at least, I think there was three World Series, oh three or four, like eleven with the Red Sox. There was one Celtics. There was six Patriots with three losses. I still even more. As much as I'm mad at Tom Brady now, I, I hate the Giants even more because they stole our perfect season from us, David Tyree. Um, yeah, nice catch. And then I'm not even a, 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 a hockey fan, but I think the Bruins even got one in. Yeah. So in it's 20, been a lot of winning. <laughs> it's, it, I just experienced my real first terrible Patriot season. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll have to I'll have to stick around, but that's I, I, for me. I and I'm sure there are some bandwagon fans, but that's why I love Boston so much. Is is uh, we don't? I, I still think there's a lot of people who support them and and uh, and love the teams. Yeah, so you don't think it's a huge drop off when Brady left? If people are still gung ho, and even if you're not making yeah. the playoffs, they're still gung ho. I'm, I'm sure there'll be some people who leave and, and if it's five years of terribleness, then we'll see what happens. But I, uh, for some reason, I still have faith that maybe we'll get some, I, I would kill for Deshaun Watson or, or a really amazing quarter, quarterback this year. And then we'll just be right back in there. But uh, oh, I don't like your quarterback now. He's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> you don't think so? I, I like Cam Newton, but he just, and, and it was a rough, it was a rough year. He yeah he he got COVID. They couldn't jump in there during preseason. So I I actually personally like Cam Newton. I think he did as good as he could. He tried hard, but we also didn't really we didn't really have that anyone for him to throw to. So I agree, but I think the Patriots can win with Cam Newton if they put some pieces around him and he gets comfortable and they build a system and tailor make it to to what he does best. There's no reason why they shouldn't be in the playoffs and make a run. Yeah, hopefully he he honestly and and I'm I'm not a football expert, but to me it seems like his Cam Newton's throwing days are a little bit behind him, and his running days are are what's going to keep him still there. He he's I think he's he's a much better athlete than he is a quarterback, at least right now. But he's he's still he's a very hard worker. He said everything right. He was a very seemed like a good teammate. So. I have nothing yeah, I, negative to say about him. I'd expect them to do really well after a year under his belt in the in the system and getting some confidence. If they get behind him and they tweak the offensive play calling and the system so that it go plays to his athleticism, 
and his play action. And, you know, he's got a cannon of an arm, and people love to say he's an athlete and he's a runner. And yes, because he is a freak athlete, but that guy's a quarterback through and through. That guy can play. He's a leader. He's calm. And look, it's really hard to step in after Tom Brady, after a legend, right? That's like an oh. impossible thing to do. But I think Cam's up to the task. And in terms of Tom Brady, you could say what you want, goat or not goat. To me, he's the goat. And if oh, nothing yeah, else, if nothing else. There's no one that's more prepared, that's worked harder, that takes his career seriously. So all the themes I talk about on my podcast about the blueprint of success, he is the blueprint of success. The results are there. But just look at his preparation. No one out prepares and outworks Brady from the tape to the training to the diet to the mental brain stuff to the this to that. I mean, everything he's done, you know, and yes, he's had a lot of luck to stay healthy. Because one bad play, one bad hit, you know, could ruin your career in football for anybody. So, yeah. you know, a lot of that is luck. And a lot of that also is he studied so much. He knows when to step up, when to slide step, when to this, when to that. And he's not a freak athlete. Uh, he's nowhere close to being a freak athlete. In fact, you know, he's one of the least athletic quarterbacks. But all the preparation and all the, the intelligence that, that he studied has just elevated him to it's like it's in slow motion for him. Everything's in slow motion. He knows where I mean, all we'll the pieces happens, are. But I, I don't expect to see anybody as good as him in my lifetime. We'll see. You never know. But, yeah, he's it's hard to imagine. That's why it hurt so much is because he was, he was so good. Come back, Tom. Come back, Tom. Yeah, one last season. Well, anyway, Lee, awesome seeing you. I want to continue to talk about your uh, your new podcast, The Waistline. When, as you start getting going and we'll stay in touch. I'm looking forward to being on your podcast soon. You've been a great supporter of, of the deal and you've, you've educated me and mentored me a lot with this new, this new side hustle I got going for two years, this, this podcast. So I really appreciate that, man. Well, thank you. And I, I'm, I'm not just saying this because I'm honest, I've told you before, it's uh, there's a lot, a lot of people who, who just burn out and, and, and do 10 episodes, five episodes. And the fact that you've done it for two years is a, is a, an accomplishment within itself. So, and you've had some, some great guests on, uh, you've had, and I already, I always forget his name. The guy who was on the Steelers, James Ferrier, James Ferrier was on Um, linebacker. You had the, the, one of the more interesting episodes or two of the most interesting episodes is you had, the baseball agent on who I thought was great. Yeah, Matt Hannaford. Matt Hannaford, and then uh, the the old one of the old directors of the CIA. Oh yeah, Daryl Blocker. So yeah, so you have a much better m- memory for names than I do. But it's um, it's been it was fun and ha- is fun to see you grow as a host and to watch Thank watch you. the podcast grow and uh, and shout out to Ray who does all the video and, and audio now. Ray for- Ray. He did the Be video real. for you while I was there. Now he, now the he's the one man band. Yeah, um, it's good to get he, the band back together, man. It feels good, and you're you're welcome anytime on the podcast, and anytime you're back in LA, we'll go get go get a nice healthy meal and take a long walk. Let's let's do it. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully <laughs> by the time I come and see you, we'll be down another fifty, and and we'll we'll uh, we'll take we'll do a speedo swimsuit. Uh, we'll go to Venice Beach and do some pull ups and some dips. Oh, yeah. Maybe oh, surf, yeah. get you on a surfboard. Oh, my God, I would die. <laughs> I don't care what weight I am, I would die. Lee Syatt, you're a legend. Love you, brother. Good to see you, man. Great to see Be you. Be good. Thanks, man. Talk to you soon. Bye, guys. Thank you. Thank you.